We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's up everyone and welcome into a Another Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and I'm joined by Lee today for a post-game recap of the season opener, a rematch from the play-in tournament in which the Pacers demolished the Hornets, and it almost felt like it was going down that same path again in the first half, but the Hornets had a great second half, outscoring the Pacers 64-47 and winning the game by 1.123-122. Lee, how's it going? Oh, it's it's going fantastic. I mean, uh, I think the euphoria of of like this post game, you know, one point win is is equal to kind of the anguish. I think that the Hornets fans and Hornets Twitter was feeling at halftime. Obviously, you just kind of laid out the margin of victory for the Hornets in the second half, which obviously. Uh, the only conclusion there is they were down big early. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. Uh, and and the quest for eighty two and zero still remains. So that's, that's it's alive. It's alive. That's still <laughs> on the table. So Pacers cannot say that. Okay, so uh, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna just kind of give our brief thoughts about this game, recap the game uh, before the game even started. We we got the news that Terry Rozier was downgraded to out, uh, and I think we talked about this on the previous podcast in which you know, shooting is an issue for, for the Hornets, you know, they're going to miss Devonte Graham and now they're going to miss Terry Rozier in this game. And you know, how are you going to get points? You might have to get points. Uh, the best way to do that is through transition and, you know, the occasional three point shot. And we had a couple players step up from behind the arc, uh, LaMelo mm-hmm. ball being one of them. Don't think he's going to sustain that seven from nine from behind <laughs> the arc, but let's actually start with PJ Washington because to me, like when I was taking notes on this game, like I was separating it into two kind of sections, things that the Hornets need to work on and things that the Hornets did well in this game. And to me, PJ Washington was pretty much a non-factor in this game until, until those last <laughs> couple seconds in the game. Like he didn't shoot the ball well from the court. 
uh, especially at the rim. That's something that he still needs to work on. That's a struggle of his. Um, he did attack the offensive glass, which we've seen from him in the past. But I, I keep saying this, like if he plays well, I think that it will bode well for the Hornets. It will go a long way for this team. And so just overall, like I, I just did not think he was a factor. And then when it got closer to the end of the game, in my mind, I'm asking myself, okay, P.J. Washington feels like he should close this game. But if you're looking at the game itself, like he just, I don't know how you can put him in there with the way that he was playing. But he comes in, hits the game-winning free throws, and, and he's a very shaky free throw shooter to begin with. So to come in in that type of situation, when you're not shooting the ball well and you don't have the confidence to make both of those, he comes in and it, it's almost like he's a you know 85 90% free throw shooter, makes both of them. And then just as importantly on the defensive possession against Sabonis, like he plays just you know good enough D to, to disrupt the shot. And Sabonis uh, was killing us uh, from all different angles, all different spots. Uh, so I think that's big for him, and I'm sure he feels good about that. Uh, yes, very well laid out. Like PJ Washington made his first field goal of the game. It was a, it was a, you know, top of the top of the arc, very in rhythm three point shot that he bangs in. He goes on for the rest of the game to essentially go, you know, zero for six yeah. until, like you said, the very last play of the game. And and look, like PJ was not in the lineups that made the massive run at the beginning at the beginning of the second half. And like you said, Richie, he was not in the closing lineup either until the very last couple possessions. He did do a terrific job not fouling Sabonis and 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 making him make a tough game winner over the top fadeaway along the baseline which obviously Sabonis just missed. I thought that was going in. I thought that was going in. Oh, same. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Like, and and again, like some of the kind of, I I do think PJ did a good enough job and I'd have to look at the replay, but it feels like he pushed him out just far enough to where he couldn't go to that kind of like glass one-hander that he'd been, that he'd been making all game. He had to go kind of at a straight on angle, which is a little bit of a tougher shot, I think for Sabonis. But but you're right. I mean, and then when like when you look at the minute allocation, you know, Plumley played 32 minutes, PJ played 19, even Cody Martin and Ish Smith, yeah. who obviously Ish was fantastic, and I'm sure we'll talk about him a little <laughs> bit. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is you're right. It was a weird night for PJ Washington because he was not very effective. He was essentially non-existent until he made probably the two most important plays of the game, which hopefully is a catalyst for him, like shaking off this bad first game performance momentum moving into Friday night. Yeah. I think he needs that. Definitely. Confidence is always a key, but again, it's an 82 game schedule. So you know that there's going to be ups and downs with any of these players. Uh, But before we get to like the positives, and I know this game was a win, so we don't want to harp too much on the negatives, but one thing that we did see, especially in the first half and you mentioned his name, Plumley. I think uh, he's a guy that we've talked about that needs to work himself into the system and getting along with the players, having that synergy on the offensive side of the court. I think one thing that we did notice in this game that he just, and even I mentioned it, like with, with him versus Cody Zeller, he doesn't have that like physical attitude to him. You know, he almost seems like laid back in a sense. And I think, you know, Sabonis was just getting deep positioning after deep positioning. Plumley picked up like a really early foul. Like that's when I knew that this matchup here, well, I knew the matchup going into it was going to be difficult, but like, that's when I knew that Plumley had a lot going on for him with his hands. Like he even got beat 
and transition a lot. So, like, he was giving up positioning to Sabonis, and you can't do that with a player like that. Now, was there a play that sticks out with you, like, in Plumlee? Like, what, what, I mean, I guess the, the lob that he had with LaMelo, but, like, other than that, like, there's not a lot that I could kind of point to for Plumlee. So, if that's my one negative or my one glaring negative of this game was him against a bruiser type in Sabonis. Yes. And then look, like Sabonis is obviously kind of a fringe all-star um, yeah. offensive-minded center. So it is, to be fair, it's one of the tougher matchups Plumlee's gonna gonna face, but you're right. I mean, I think I think Sabonis started the game like eight for eight from the field, and they weren't particularly like well-earned baskets. He was really just brutalizing Plumlee. I did think Mason settled in a bit in the second half against Sabonis. He still mm-hmm. and, and and it was it was hard to figure out if the Hornets were just kind of gifting the open three-pointers to Sabonis or whether Mason was just not um, kind of recovering quick enough to contest those. I couldn't quite figure out what the strategy is, but he left them a few times for some really kind of important clutch three-pointers that Sabonis ended up making. Sabonis hit four three-pointers on the night. You mentioned the lob. He did convert that one lob during the big run from LaMelo off the pick and roll. I also think that Mason, even though he didn't get that lob except for that one or two times, the threat of that vertical lob did open up, I think, some driving lanes for LaMelo and Gordon, particularly off Mm -hmm. the pick and roll. So I do think he was, like, occupying space effectively and creating some spacing with the vertical lob threat, but that that's really just me kind of trying to dig for some positives on Plumlee. I thought he was... I thought he was fine, particularly in the second half. Yeah. Um, but in the first half, and look, like there's <laughs> Embiid is in the is in the is in the Eastern Conference. Vujovic is in the Eastern Conference. Like obviously Giannis is in the Eastern Conference. I mean, Plumlee's going to have his hands full, and you know, if if the first half tonight is any indication, he's going to have to be a lot better defensively. Yeah, I, actually, I will say he did make a hook shot early in the fourth quarter over Sabonis, and it felt like he was a little bit more physical on that play. But again, like I said, those physical plays were a little less frequent. Any other like glaring negatives that you had on your notes in terms of like, okay, this this really didn't work for the Hornets, or we get it, it's one game, but is there anything that kind of stuck out to you? Yeah, I thought um, I, I I didn't think Ubre was great tonight. Um, obviously, he didn't shoot the ball well from the field. Five for seventeen and two for nine from three. Yeah, he he was to be fair. He was in, you know, he was in the closing lineup. Ball Ubre Hayward Bridges Plumley. That was the same lineup that started the second half. That went on like a twenty-two to two run to start the second half. So. To be fair, uh, Ubre was out there when good things were happening. The one thing that I think he's got to get better at, and and granted, Malcolm Brogdon is a fantastic, fantastic basketball player, but he was just kind of toying with Ubre when when that was the matchup, driving by him at the point of attack pretty much anytime he wanted. Also, like back cutting um, and sliding into space for easy buckets on Ubre, he's going to have to really just kind of like sharpen up his off ball, you know, cerebral part of his basketball game. But again, like you said, Rozier wasn't there tonight. So Ubre had to start. Ubre played 35 minutes tonight. Mm. So, uh, you know, all in all, I, I think it was a fine first start. He did seem to really have some energy in the second half. He made a couple 
you know, kind of, uh, he, he made Timely. one really kind of big three and a yeah. couple and a couple finishes. So, but, but defensively, I thought he was lost a bit. That's the one negative I did put here, like Uber shot two for nine from deep. But I will say that the threes that he did make were, were timely. I think, I think even they were, his, they were a couple of his misses were like really off. I think my one might've been an air ball kind of early in the it game. It was. Yeah. And, and a lot of them were like wide open and, uh, and, and he missed one wide open one late in the game too, with like two minutes left on the right side of the right side of the court, right wing that I just I didn't think had a prayer of going in, and it didn't. But hey, we pulled it out. Yeah, I guess I kind of like the aggressiveness with like him picking up Brogdon full court. But to your point, like that can get him beat, and then it puts the defense in a position to where they're having to kind of recover there. Um, so I do like the aggressiveness and kind of the mindset there to try to pick up someone full court. I think the thing with Ubre is if he just doesn't try to do too much, like he mm-hmm. just plays within himself, I think he's going to do well. Like in transition, he had a play, I think in the first half, where the the Pacers made it and he pushed the pace or somebody else pushed the pace and he was there for an open cut uh, for transition. So that that's the type of stuff that you need to see out of him. Don't try to shoot too much. But again, Rozier was out to your point, and so maybe he did feel like he needed to pick up the slack you know, in that starter position. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let's get to all the positives here. The Hornets won 123, 122. Can almost start anywhere here. Uh, so I'm just going to randomly pick a, a player that I want to talk about, and that's going to be Gordon Hayward. Uh, Gordon Hayward mm. was a player that, uh, when you watch this game, like especially early on, was not too effective. Like he got going late. I think his first basket was like midway through the second quarter, and he actually finished the first half 
well in terms of like keeping that deficit as cl- as close and I say close in, in quotation marks <laughs> as possible and and that carried over to the second half um, he had very timely shots he was the guy that the Hornets tried to go to in the half court when things slowed down uh, he yep. finished a couple of mid-range shots he tied the game at 113 and then the Pacers Chris Duarte the rookie who's playing not like a rookie whatsoever man He's even flopping like a, a veteran. Like he, he, he definitely embellished that. <laughs> well, he's one like twenty eight already, so you know. <laughs> so he is definitely an NBA ready type of guy, and he go, he comes down, makes a three, and then right after that, I mean, it was a, it was a banked in three, but Gordon Hayward comes back down, bangs in the three to tie the game back up at one sixteen. So Gordon Hayward is a guy when we've talked about it time and time again. Like he's he's going to be the steadying presence for this team especially when it gets late, especially when things start to slow down. You might look at his game from front to back, and you might not think it was the greatest game, but I think when you look especially towards the tail end of the first half onwards and anything that had any type of like clutch or timely aspect to it, he was almost always involved there. Yeah, and I think I think the you know one of the main things here is like he looks really healthy to me. I mean, he yeah. particularly late in the game, you know, at times being guarded by Malcolm Brogdon, who's one of the better on-ball defenders in the NBA, kind of like consistently getting what he wanted, you know, whether that was getting to, like you said, kind of the space creation mid-range pull-up or whether that was like crossover, dip the shoulder and just kind of use his physicality to get to the rim a couple times as well. Um, I thought Hayward was fantastic tonight. You're right. He definitely started slow. Um, but he even showed some of that vertical pop that we saw last season, a couple fast breaks, dunked one over Jeremy Lamb in the, in the, in transition, something that BG talks about a ton, um, is that kind of that late middle of the court intentional pick and roll to get the switch. Basically to summarize, like Hayward matchup hunting with the pick and roll late in the game again was super evident. He seemed, he seemed to try to want to get, Sabonis kind of isolated as as much as he could. You know, sometimes he wasn't able to get to the switch. Sometimes he was. Either way, he was really, really effective late in games. This is something we talked about on the season preview pod. How is this team going to be in the clutch? Well, here we are, opening night, another NBA-defined clutch game, five points or less within five minutes, and and it kind of went how we prescribed it would have to go for it to be successful. And that's a lot of Gordon Hayward shot making late in the game. And what did you think of LaMelo Ball? He was pretty decent, right? You know, yeah, I thought LaMelo was okay tonight. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, LaMelo, I, I think the crazy thing about LaMelo's stats tonight is I, he only played 29 minutes and I kept kind of, so, so the fourth quarter starts with LaMelo on the bench, Ish Smith in the game. And the Hornets were up, I think, you know, two or three to start the fourth quarter. They kind of extend that lead with LaMelo on the bench. And I kept kind of wondering, I get it. Like, JB's protecting his minutes. Um, he's trying to buy as much time and nurse this lead before he has to go back to LaMelo to finish the game. He was able to milk that all the way basically to like the six-and-a-half-minute mark, and then LaMelo, you know, finished the game from the six-and-a-half-minute mark on. I thought his defensive anticipation stuff was on full display that we talked about in the season yeah. preview pod. Poking balls Obviously, away. He had yeah. Poking balls away, you know, kind of just predicting where the uh, where the opponent would go. 
Um, obviously, he had you know nine rebounds, seven assists, thirty-one points in twenty-nine minutes, seven for nine from three. I, I mean, Lamelo was just a supernova tonight. He was an absolute superstar. And, you know, like you said, do we expect him to shoot like 80% from three on the year? No. But other than that, other than being seven for nine from three, which obviously I know is a massive deal, everything else was replicable to me. Like that was the only thing that's probably not going to be there every night. It's funny. He got nine rebounds tonight, which was, I think, second highest on the team. And if if we had a um, bold prediction in our previous episode, I was about, about put that segment in there. I was going to say he leads the team in rebounding this year. Like, I almost feel like that's not out of the question because he attacks those. It's not. Yeah. No, I think that's actually a sneaky good call, Rich. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he was the one player that, uh, especially in the first half, when things weren't going well, like, he he was the one that at least was, was, you know, showing out and putting up points and stuff like that. Did very well from behind the arc, like we just said. He had this one three deep uh, over Turner who was on him, like basically sizing him up. And Turner was almost like daring him to shoot uh, and and makes it over him. I think the one thing with LaMelo, you can tell this, especially in the third quarter, when he's feeling it, like he kind of like skips up the court, the way that he dribbles (laughs) the ball. Like that's, that's the type of stuff when you know he's feeling it. And that offense just comes in waves in terms of like when they get stops and they push and push and push, uh, LaMelo ball is right at the head of the offense and he's, you know, skipping up the court, making these fancy passes, looking off defenders, and uh, that's when you know he's got it going uh, for sure. Uh, the other point guard, which we slightly mentioned, which we need to eff- definitely talk about before this podcast is over, is Ish Smith, the newcomer that I, I love to love to see here. He had a block. He had a block tonight, Lee. Did you expect that? He had that? a block tonight. <laughs> Did he lead the Ish team in Smith, blocks? The, Ish, <laughs> Ish Smith, the rim, the rim protector. Yeah, yeah he... Yeah, you know, nobody else had more than one. So, yes, he led our team in blocks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought he was decent on defense. Like, I know that he's undersized. And right. uh, he, the possession before the block, he got a foul, but he helped out on a drive from Turner where basically, I think it might have been Miles that kind of, like, overshot him. And then Turner was had a pretty much a free lane, but Ish for, forced him to turn. He still got the foul, like I said. But, like, that type of stuff is heady stuff from veteran play. And he pushes the pace, obviously. Like, that's nothing new. But, you know, he had his uh, mid-range pull-up shot down tonight, and I think he made a couple of those because, you know, his three-point shot is, is nothing too great, and I think that he's going to have to score in different ways, whether that's snaking and getting all the way to the rim. But if he's got that mid-range going as well, I think that adds an, another layer to his offensive game. And then lastly, Miles Bridges. I think mm. I, I don't really know how to describe his game tonight in terms of, like, the overall effect, but what I will say is when – he sat down in the fourth quarter. That's when the Pacers made a comeback and kind of closed that lead and actually even took the lead. And to me, his biggest asset tonight was off the dribble closeouts, beating those closeouts, driving, finishing over Turner, chest to chest. He had several of those drives where, you know, he goes chest yes. to chest with the defender and just kind of finger rolls it up. So an, another good game for Miles. It's, it's almost like it's expected at this point that he <laughs> just is so solid in everything that he does. Yeah, and, and and on a night where, you know, he couldn't really get the jump shot going, Yeah, it was nice to see him kind of adjust, particularly in the second half. And, uh, you know, Spencer had, had, had a couple really good clips regarding, like, some action for Bridges to kind of get isolated and get downhill. I thought JB did a really nice job, particularly in the third and fourth quarter, on, on kind of picking his spots – 
and calling some like deliberate action to get Bridges, um, like you said, on the ball, attacking the rim. He was awesome with his right hand. Fin- like you said, finishing around uh, Indiana's bigs. Um, and, and he was just super, super important, I think, defensively down the stretch too. You know, Miles still has lapses at times defensively. I don't think anybody on this podcast would ever necessarily call him an elite defender. But with his size and his versatility and his – and frankly, like, just his, like, dogged effort. Like, he – he rotates, he scrambles, mm-hmm. he runs around, he rebounds, he tips balls, he keeps things alive. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of us are like big believers in one game plus minus, but he, we were plus 15 with Miles Bridges on the floor tonight. Um, and, and, he, and he had a couple assists as well. So, again, like my, I think my main point with Bridges tonight would be on a night where the sh- jump shot was not falling, he found – a multitude of other ways to contribute and was massive in the second half in this comeback. Um, And then, and the only thing I'll say on ish, you know, I was kind of worried and I, and I I don't think one game doesn't solve this, but it's a nice thing to see when LaMelo ball has to rest. And you see that, that, that James Borrego, I think would rather not, have to play LaMelo ball 35 plus minutes. I think he would rather kind of manage him a little bit more. And if Ish can be really good in the minutes or, you know, that, that LaMelo does have to rest, mm. that changes the calculus. And that is a luxury that the Hornets, I think are going to need to be, to be a true playoff team. Um, and he was awesome tonight. Welcome home, Ish. Yeah, welcome home. And you have to think about this too, Lee. Like they also managed his minutes without Rozier. So you know, when True. Rozier comes back into the rotation, I don't know how that affects True. Cody Martin by any means. But I think they did a good job in, in game one, even when they had one less guard within the rotation. And James Booknight, we can't really spend much time on him because he did not play, which I actually thought was a little surprising. Like I thought he'd get some run, even if it was like seven, eight minutes in the game? Like, what were, what were your thoughts on that? I thought it was particularly surprising given the fact that Rozier was not there. So, and, and you make a great point about Rozier not being there and managing the mellow minutes. No Rozier, still no book night. Cody Martin, obviously, very much favored right now uh, in JB's mind for the rotation. That was That was very clear tonight considering Cody Martin played 24 minutes. And, and honestly, it was pretty decent. Yeah. I mean, he was four for five from the field. Most of those were kind of like transition layups, but that's what we want Cody Martin doing. I thought he did take one bad three, but, you know, we, we can probably live with one bad shot. And, and he rebounded the ball like he, always, like he kind of always does, particularly for, you know, just a moderately sized wing. But, but no, you're right. We don't need to spend too much time on this, but I think it's worth mentioning that, like, Book Knight was not in the rotation even – sans Terry Rozier tonight that doesn't that doesn't mean I I don't think that's a damning thing by any means it's just he's a rookie James Borrego and the Hornets are trying to win here and now and and maybe he's just not quite ready yet I'm sure we'll see him at some point we did not tonight yeah I would agree with that in terms of like don't overact in in game one rotations but to our point it was a little bit surprising with Rozier out but you know, I think coaches typically like to to favor their veterans, especially early on in the season when the others are trying to yes. get their feet wet. 
Uh, it's funny. We almost need a segment. We're going to wrap up here, but we almost need a segment for like our favorite EC lines. Eric Collins. Oh, we ha- we need to do that. We yeah. totally need to do that. I don't know if you caught this one tonight. This was this was my favorite. Okay, it was tied at eighty eight, eighty eight, and he goes, okay. "Goga Bataze wears eighty eight, but you wouldn't know that because he hasn't played." It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was well, awesome. Okay, so. One of the best thing, like obviously, he's just one of the best, like ana- like weird analogy guys. But he all, I like to your to the one you just brought up, uh, Richie. He also likes to take subtle digs at the other team, which I really like as well. Yes, if you're not paying attention, I don't think you're picking up on it. But the fact that we listen to him every single game, like he does that all the time, and he's such a he's such a homer, but we love it. He does he doesn't go he doesn't like go out of his way too often. I mean, there are times when he's going to stand up for those bad calls for the Hornets and yes. stuff like that. But it's it's not obnoxious. I know that some announcers get way too big into the calls and basically like complain on air. I'm just like, okay, that's a little bit too much. He he at least has a, like a humorous side to him. Yes, and it's, it's funny you say that. Um, I must be around long enough now that we're getting some synergy here because I wrote down a couple EC quotes from the game oh. and think, and, and I totally think we need to make this segment. So the, I think my favorite one, and maybe it was more because of the moment than anything else, but after PJ makes the two free throws to put the Hornets up one, okay. uh, PJ Washington has gravel in his guts. <laughs> and then, and then the other one was the fact that he just kept calling Mason Plumley plum dog. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, kind of, I'm like kind of here for that too. You, have you not um, heard that was, nickname? Have you not heard that nickname? Oh, has he always had that? Plum Dog Millionaire. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Now yeah. But I got no, it. no, now but I like I, I like how he runs with it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great, great to have Eric Collins back on the call, Dell Ashley, and in the second half, man, the hive, the hive looked bumping. Yeah. So it was, it was just fun. It was fun. Yeah, fans back in the back in the arena. All right, so the Hornets play Friday night against the Cavaliers in Cleveland. Uh, so an opportunity to go 2-0 to start the season. Not that that really matters, but continue that 82-0 streak alive there. And I think we can potentially have another uh, podcast available to you guys on Saturday morning. So, again, more content. Uh, we're trying to get it your way. But we're going to go ahead and wrap here as the Hornets finish 123-122 over the Pacers, get revenge for Lee. I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.